0: Buffett's thoughts on energy and more on this energy and materials edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly joining you here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Thursday, March 3rd, 2016, and joining me to talk Buffett, Brazil, and Greek tragedies is Tyler Crow and Taylor Muckerman. How's everybody doing this morning? Oh
1: my God, what a show we sounds have. sounds like we have a really busy day. We've ahead
0: of got, us. Uh, what, five stories? We've got
2: Tyler, we got a lot to talk we've about. we got
0: a lot, yeah. Um, so before we jump into Buffett's thoughts on energy from his annual report and ExxonMobil's troubles in Brazil, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the recent indictment and demise of former Chesapeake Energy
2: Audrey, uh, Chesapeake Energy CEO Audrey McClendon uh, any thoughts come to mind guys when I heard the story yesterday um, if anybody has not heard I'm sure they have because it was plastered over any financial news top of yeah. top of everything yesterday um, Aubrey McClendon passed away uh, in a car accident uh, one day after being indicted on Charges of land, uh, rigging land leases in Oklahoma, uh, basically kind of colluding with another company to say, you know, we won't, we won't bid on this one if you give us a little bit of a lease price, and then you can, we don't have to, you know, try to outbid each other on these leases. That was the basic premise that they were going on for the uh, court case. But when I when I heard the story that he had passed in in a car accident, which. I think all of us have kind of said sounds pretty suspect in the first place. Anyways, um, it, it just, it kind of felt like a, the personification of a modern Greek tragedy. You know, the idea of yeah. somebody just rising so high as a superstar in the shale boom in what, 2011, 2012. Everybody knew who, at least in the energy patch, knew who Chesapeake Energy was mm-hmm. and the monstrous amount of work that they were doing is going and getting out land. They were just trying to own everything. On the shale patch, and you know, like like Icarus, he kind of flew a little too high, and everybody wanted to take a hack at him.
0: What? What do you think, Taylor? Sucks. I
1: mean, anybody dying that soon? Uh, But yeah,
0: unfortunate timing. Late fifties, right? I don't know, fifty
1: six. Um, but he's a big reason why we are doing what we're doing in the oil and gas industry in America right now, around the world even, because the technology is spreading pretty rapidly. So. Um, a pioneer that, whether it's true or not, all these allegations. It's unfortunate that he won't be able to at least defend his name.
0: Yeah, cool. All right. Well, moving on. Uh, everybody's favorite eighty-something-year-old uh, billionaire investor Warren Buffett just came out with his uh, latest annual letter. I know when I was a teenager and get first getting exposed to investing. This was like I don't know. It's kind of like Christmas for long-term investors or something um,
2: he's like the uncle that you want to have advice from you right, know what I mean
0: right as opposed to the uncle that you <laughs> <laughs> avoid yeah the one at that Christmas you avoid parties. at Christmas parties and Thanksgiving <laughs> um, so uh, not a huge portion of his uh, uh, comments in the letter and everything he did have a few interesting thoughts on uh, electric utilities. Um and uh, Berkshire Hathaway Energy is obviously a big part of his operations. In fact, I think he says it's the second biggest part outside of insurance. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, but he said I actually wanted to get your thoughts first on this. Um. In its electric utility business, our Berkshire Hathaway Energy operates within a changing economic model. Historically, the survival of a local electric company did not depend on its efficiency. In fact, a sloppy operation could do just fine financially and the reason being, you know, basically the local government guarantee them a certain right. r- return on on investment. Um, that is changing. And he goes on to note that today society has decided that federally subsidized wind and solar generation is in our country's long term interest. He goes on to talk about federal tax credits, the investments that they're making to take advantage of these. Um, did you guys have any particular thoughts on what might be useful for our foolish listeners, you know, given Buffett's insights?
1: Um, I mean, it just shows the advantages of running a utility like a business rather than like a company that's guaranteed income. Um, right all of his utilities that he's picked up um, and transmission assets that he's picked up have become more profitable, safer, um, reduced headcounts. So, it's showing that if utilities do want to get serious about their profitability um, and the business metrics that investors can focus on, you can change the game. And then, with renewables, I mean, they own an astounding amount of wind. They're the largest. I think 6X, the second competitor in terms of wind and solar power generation. Mm -hmm. Um, 7% of the U.S. is um, wind, and 6% of the U.S.'s solar electricity generation comes from some Berkshire Hathaway holding, which is pretty impressive and I think a little bit under the radar um, for most people. When you think about Berkshire, you think of the railways, you think about um, some of the oil services companies that he owns um, in terms of equipment that they provide, um, and then obviously the insurance businesses. But to be that big of a player in renewable energy kind of under the radar is a big surprise
2: and with the amount that he's actually still plowing into it oh, today billions, it's, yeah. it's billions of dollars maybe not annually but pretty pretty darn close yeah. to that and um, when you look at you know those investments obviously with those federal, federal tax credits we don't know how much longer they're going to last i mean there are certainly there's some plans at least with like residential and things like that where we're going to push it out for another 5 to 6 years so we could see certainly buffett making large Investments over the next four or five years because it is such a lucrative investment with tax credits, with all of the other. It's kind push. of a sure thing, right? And with the amount of cash that Berkshire Hathaway is generating today, it's it's a pretty lucrative um, investment. Um, in an interview that he actually did following up the shareholder letter, they kind of got into the argument that they've been having lately because uh, his one of his utilities, Envy Energy, which is part of that utility group, is in a bit of a spat. With uh um, this is in Nevada of in course. Nevada, with Solar city and other residentials, basically on the premise of net metering and who gets to sell back and forth. And you can kind of go both ways with it. you know from from the individual standpoint, it's like, well, I have to buy energy at ten ten point eight cents per kilowatt hour. Why can't I sell it back at the exact same price? And then on the utility side, it says, well, if you're why do we have to buy? Uh, energy back at the utility price when we have to transmit it. We have to, you know, basically upkeep everything when we basically get zero profit on anything that happens there. So, you know, it, it's, I haven't quite found what I, my final verdict on this yet. I mean, being both a Berkshire Hathaway and a solar city. Uh, investor, I kind of, ha- I'm kind of have conflicting interests. You've on got this the one.
0: the devil on one shoulder and the angel on exactly. the other shoulder, so, you're just like,
2: <laughs> you know, they both make very valid points, and it's certainly something I'm going to be digging into over the next several months, trying to figure out how yeah. to wrap my head around it.
0: Uh, uh, Taylor, before we move on here, I did want to get your thoughts. Um, Berkshire Hathaway's energies, uh, their the the energy segment, it, its earnings weren't up a lot. Um, mm-hmm. In 2014, it generated just under 2.1 billion dollars in net earnings. And um, this past year, they generated a twenty three seventy, so like you know, just over two hundred and seventy million dollar increase. But one hundred and seventy of it came from a Canadian transmission utility that they bought in late twenty fourteen. So not much of an increase. Um, so one, why aren't their earnings going up much? And two, what the heck is this Canadian transmission utility?
1: Um, basically, it's uh, Link is the name of the company that they purchased. It still remains under that name. Um, big player in Alberta um, and. They've been completing some transmission lines to bring wind energy to greater areas of Canada. Um, so you're seeing that renewable energy portfolio carry over to this company as well. Um, several billion dollars in assets looks like almost six billion um, at the end of 2013, and and um, Berkshire paid almost three billion for it. So a little bit of a discount to what their assets were worth back then, but. Um, you're looking at this company continuing to grow, pour money back into the business, and its transmission. And they're not generating anything, so it's just moving power from arid area. To area. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them get into the power generation game given their assets.
0: Cool. Okay. All right. So moving on. At what point does an oil company say no? Um, as noted in a recent Bloomberg piece, big oil moves to drill in Brazil not because things have improved. Both Royal Dutch Shell via its likely BG Group acquisition and ExxonMobil are being forced to drill offshore of Brazil, where they risk losing leases that they have already bought. Um, guys, is this fair? Could this be good in the long term because these projects take such a long time to get going and produce and everything?
2: Um, this is one of those weird situations where like you said, when does a company say no? It's almost kind of like the gambler's dilemma. is like when you're up, do you, or when you're do down, you can you recover? When when do you walk away? Because of the concept of a sunk cost. Basically, when all these companies went into the. Brazilian gold or black oil rush that uh, happened what 10, 12 years ago when the pre-salt field pre-salt fields were found and Petrobras was everyone was really excited about what's going on down there and they spent a ton of money on leaseholds basically saying we're going to go drill these and we want to own the rights to them nowadays you know they're ten years up we're in the middle of a major oil price crash and the due date to start these projects is starting to happen and you know it kind of gets to the points like well they could do it you know certainly they have the resources if they really wanted to but they don't want to spend the kind of money when do those you know leaseholds just basically become a sunk cost and they have to walk away and that's one of the things that i am not certain as to whether it's the right idea because as we've seen with shale and some of the other kind of faster development cycle things perhaps it's going to take a long long time for deep water projects to Get the economics that they're looking for.
1: Yeah, some of the fees that these companies are going to will have to pay equal the amount that it costs to drill a well, anyway. So that kind of helps the decision making process. But it is unfortunate for these energy exploration and production companies because you know their hands are kind of tied. You saw a lot of it happen in the U.S. during the shale boom in the early days when lease, leases were starting to come up for um, renewal or expiration, mm-hmm. and um, 2012, when shale gas prices were like less than $2 per million BTU or right around that $2 mark. After being north of 10, companies were forced to drill, otherwise, they would lose these leases. So, similar situation here. Unfortunately, um, you know. Prices are still low, so they're being forced into it. But I think the big beneficiary here could be if they do decide to drill, um, would be offshore oil rig companies because they've seen a lot of contracts be shortened or completely written off by Petrobras and other companies down in the Brazilian uh, waters. I know a personal holding of mine, Ensco, has lost a rig or a rig time to Petrobras. They have four rigs down there right now. I
2: feel like every rig company has lost yeah. something to Petrobras <laughs> so, one way or the other.
1: Uh, maybe Petrobras doesn't pick them back up, but maybe BP does, maybe Total does, maybe Shell or Exxon, these companies that could be forced to make that decision, maybe they needed an extra rig to, to pick up, and, and companies with experience down there, rigs that were originally built for the Brazilian pre-salt fields, would have a unique advantage to getting back in there earlier than maybe they had expected.
0: Cool. All right, before before we move on, I wanted to point our listeners to uh, focus.fool.com where you can take advantage of a discount on the Motley Fool's stock advisor newsletter that works out to $129 for a full 2-year subscription. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. All right, so guys, is ExxonMobil finally going bargain hunting? Um, They're obviously, I don't know, the biggest, the baddest integrated oil major. Um, They are not on the ropes, although uh, stocks seem better days. Uh, They just announced a $12 billion debt offering. Um, What are they going to do with this money? They're going to do a little bit of shopping because obviously prices are pretty low right now.
2: I mean, if there was a time to do it, it, now would be it. Now would be it. I mean, you can kind of leverage the fact that. ExxonMobil has a credit rating better than the United States Treasury. And, uh, you know, we could say it, $12 billion is certainly an attractive thing. And considering that this past year, um, this was the very first year where ExxonMobil did not 100% replace their reserves in a very, very long time. And for some, that can be concerning. Um, At the same time, with companies that have attractive leases or attractive land holdings that could fit well into an ExxonMobil portfolio. It's kind of that quick hit. We can replace reserves very quickly, at probably a price that is less than what it would take to go out and actually explore unknown reserves. Mm-hmm. So you know, kind of the the economic cost or the the risk costs involved with um, exploration could be out there. So certainly looking at. Shale across the United States right now, and various other places. There's a lot of opportunities if if Exxon wanted to go hunting, and we're really worried about losing their. Uh reserve replacement rates. Yeah, that's a really good point that they haven't replaced 100% of their reserves. Um
0: Taylor, do you think this is just to make sure that dividend stays?
1: Well, 12 billion is the dividend, so that's for one year they could cover what a it with coincidence. that $12 billion. To... <laughs> I don't think I don't think that they're necessarily worried about that dividend this year. Could be I don't think they're going to spend $12 billion on an acquisition either. Um, but if they did, you know, there's some companies out there with a market cap under 12 billion. Granted, you're going to have to pay a premium for these companies, so they won't be able to spend on a $12 billion market cap company, because they're going to ask for a premium. But you're looking at companies like Devon Energy, Marathon Oil, Continental Resources, um, Chenier Energy might be an interesting deal, Mm -hmm. because they could source their own natural gas and then export it. Um, So, there's a few companies out there that that have interesting stories behind them and have seen their stocks plummet. I doubt they'll spend all twelve billion dollars on an acquisition, though.
2: Well, at the, you know, at the same time, the last time they made a major acquisition was XTO Energy yeah. back in twenty ten, and you know, they did tap into their massive reserve of bought back shares when right. they did that too. And you know, we could say they have twelve billion dollars in debt ready to kind of pull the trigger. They have 220, yeah. $230 dollars in treasury stock oh that they could gosh. use to to go jump at somebody if they were really inclined to do so.
1: You're probably going to look at an. Act- Acquisition of a company whose shares have declined further than Exxon's, though. Otherwise, you might not be getting as good of a deal on your shares because Exxon shares are down as well. But yeah, that, that's a huge, that's a pretty big war chest. That's a right huge there. That's, war yeah. chest. Can you guys imagine? Bigger Howard, than
0: most. Howard Ham selling out to Exxon.
1: Yeah, I, it'd be pretty interesting. I'd probably surprised. relieve a lot of stress in his life.
0: Right. Well, yeah. Anyway.
1: And yeah, T- turn those shares that he has into actual money rather yeah. than well, a depreciating he, he asset.
0: Took, he took out a billion dollar loan to pay off his ex wife. Yeah, remember. well, because
1: he, he knew his shares were in the toilet, so he didn't want to use those so, um, to pay her yeah. off.
0: Fair enough. Cool. All right. So, last segment, we've got a mailbag question from Carl in Virginia Beach who writes In recent quarters, we have seen some oil and gas companies write down the value of their properties, and some have not. One company that is not is Continental Resources. Speak of the devil. Uh, they have a huge debt load as well. Are you be? Are they being honest by not writing down their properties? Sincerely, Carl.
1: I'm just laughing at Billy. Uh, Billy Madison. Yeah. Carl. Nice to see you. <laughs> um, so about writing down assets. Um, that's a tricky game with with um, oil prices fluctuating like they are. It's a pretty, pretty company dependent thing. Um, As a shareholder, obviously you're going to want to have your own opinion um, about how these companies are handling their assets, and especially with oil and gas companies, because asset values do fluctuate pretty frequently. And Continental Resources has been, I guess, maybe one of the more bullish companies in terms of the speed of the turnaround they expect. So maybe um, they're not as quick to write off their assets because they think it's going to turn around, but if it doesn't, they could see those write downs. a little bit later than most, and and catch people off guard.
2: There are some certainly some accounting things that can go on when it comes to oil and gas valuing properties, but there are some rules that are applied there. Mm. They're normally done by an independent. Uh, Ratings agency or an evaluation company that looks up looks at their properties and says this is economical at such and such a price. Um, at their most recent 10K, it said that the price that they were going on was $50 a barrel, which was the trailing 12 months of 2015, which is standard SEC protocol. So we can't really like knock them for not going at SEC protocol. And so it doesn't seem like they're really doing any. Trickery based on the current accounting. You know, they brought on some new reserves that they actually, because of cost cutting and more economic, uh, better economics, you know, they were actually able to add some stuff that was kind of what they would call technically recoverable, but now it's economically recoverable that helped to replace the existing reserves. And then um, when you kind of add all those things together, it doesn't look like they're really hiding things in comparison to some other people. And also, let's take into account over the past two years, they have written down a billion dollars worth of their asset properties. Maybe they just didn't do it this particular quarter.
0: Got it. Cool. All right. Well, have a good one, guys. Thanks always for your thoughts. Thank you. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Be like Be Carl. That's right. Be like Carl. Be like Carl. Uh, and again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Tyler Crow and Taylor Muckman. Uh, Taylor Muckerman, Sorry, it's okay. man, i love It's you. tricky. I'm sorry. It's the morning still. Um, yeah, I need more coffee. Uh I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and fool on.